the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour of Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FinRed Civic, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. The leaves are starting to change their colors more and more each day. And there's a chill in the air on most days. Autumn has arrived. Feeling the chill on your skin and in your lungs seems both joyful and startling at the same time. Where are the sweaters and the jackets where we need them? Maybe it's because school generally started classes in the autumn. But it seems like the perfect time to, to dive into a good book, you know, with a, with a warm beverage. On a chilly night. The season changes remind us of the ever-changing nature of life and the importance of them embracing it. The squirrels, they're out there busy collecting their bounty and festivities or festivals are everywhere and spooky fun is right around the corner. And pumpkin pie spice is in all sorts of goodies and beverages. The different autumn holidays remind us to be thankful for our bounty and also to have some fun. I once heard a quote. It went like this. I am so glad to live in a world where there are autumn. So autumn is a kind of a special month where the seasons are changing and we're changing and, uh, you know, things are good. I'm glad of that. As the seasons Seasonal merry-go-round turns and we have to hop on at every stop, celebrate the holidays, take in their meaning and significance, and basically enjoy the spoils. And as the seasons change, it's a good time for us to make positive changes in our lives and in our plans and dreams and investments. This week, the world's attention has been focused on 
Hamas's ter- uh, terrorist attack on Israel that was last Saturday, and Israel's expected retaliation on Hamas in their uh, Gaza Strip homeland. And the Israeli government has declared war on Hamas and is preparing to send their army into the densely populated Gaza Strip to destroy the Hamas organization and rescue the uh, kidnapped hostages. In conducting this operation, they're supposed to, the army is supposed to minimize civilian casualties, contain the fighting, and keep the war from spreading. Boy, that sounds like a tall order to me. I'm looking at these pictures of, of the Gaza Strip, and it is, it is uh, totally densely populated. Uh, and uh, uh, Israel has warned the population of Gaza to start moving south away from Gaza City, and uh, Hamas is telling the people to stay put. So they want to use the people as protection. Thus far, what's happened? What's the impact on us? Thus far, oil prices have gone up. Uh, last Saturday, uh, the West Texas Intermediate was $73.73 per barrel. Today, it's $87.72 per barrel. Uh, Western uh, defense contractors are filling their order books. Raytheon Technology is one of the prime suppliers for Israelis' Iron Dome. Uh, That's their their rocket protection system. Uh, But some investors are concerned that other terrorist groups or rogue nations could join the fray, and uh, the war could spread. The United States has a naval task force centered around the aircraft carrier uh, Gerald Ford. Uh, that's close to the uh, 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 Israel right now, and together with an amphibious task force uh, of about 2,000 Marines, that's in transit. Uh, right now, towards the uh, uh, towards the Israel uh, coastal waters. So, you know, uh, you know, if we take a look at, uh, you know, according to uh, Bloomberg, uh, the stock and the bond markets are hoping the situation can be contained. And Citigroup's uh, macro strategist suggests that the market has priced in a relatively benign outcome in financial terms without <clears throat> without anything more severe. Quote, uh, the market currently is seemingly pricing a scenario that assumes the Israeli response is forceful, but not particularly long-lasting, but remains geographically restricted to the Gaza Strip and maybe South Lebanon. In this scenario, oil should be uh, somewhat elevated as the risk premium has to rise, and as a deal between Saudi Arabia and Israel uh, will, at the very least, have to be postponed, and uh, oil will will likely not spike too much. That concept of the of Saudi Arabia and the agreement between Saudi Arabia and uh, uh, Israel is thought to be one of the reasons that Hamas uh, acted right now in terms of uh, uh, getting the Arab world uh, excited and the Middle East excited about uh, this uh, terrorist attack uh, by Hamas and uh, uh, calling off this uh, uh, arrangement between Saudi Arabia and uh, Israel. So that would push uh, Iran into the background. Uh, but it's a situation that will have to be watched because uh, Hamas's ter- terrorist attack was specifically focused on killing and kid- kidnapping civilians. And that has generated a lot of personal rage and an army invasion of a densely populated civilian area that caused all sorts of accidents, incidents they could uh, cause the situation to spread. So, uh, 
This week, there was good news and bad news regarding inflation. The good news is that the price gains have slowed significantly from last year's high of 9.1%. Uh, that happened in, uh, that was a 12-month number that happened in June of last year. But the bad news is that after a sharp slowdown in core inflation earlier in the summer, these the prices rose at a modestly uh, faster pace in September. According to the Department of Labor's uh, Consumer Price Index report for September, the headline uh, CPI rose 3.7% uh, from a year earlier, and the core uh, inflation, uh, where we uh, neglect food and fuel, rose 4.1% from a year ago. Uh, that's down from uh, 4.3% in August. For the month, the headline uh, uh, CPI rose four-tenths of a percent, and the core uh, CPI increased three-tenths of a percent in September after smaller gains in June and July. And we'll talk about that in in, in details uh, uh, later in the show. What they were seeing uh, over the last month is a big jump in intermediate and long-term uh, bond yields. So I think investors are starting to comprehend the, the size of the of the amount of bonds that will, are going to hit the market and uh, will continue to hit the market after the federal government. Uh, the federal government is going to sell approximately a trillion dollars uh, worth of bills, notes, and bonds from. Uh, uh, approximately June, that's when the Congress and the President uh, reached agreement with regard to increasing or removing, basically for now, it's removing the debt ceiling. Up until the, at that point, the uh, the Department, of the U.S. Department of Treasury, couldn't sell uh, the the uh, bonds because of the. Uh, um, the ceiling, debt ceiling. So now, you know, since June, they're in the in the business of selling the bonds and uh, allowing the treasuries to issue the bonds, and and uh, it'll be a they'll sell approximately one trillion dollars in debt uh, by the end of the year. So now we're talking about the ten-year treasury. Uh, the ten-year Treasury note has basically gone from 2.6 percent on, uh, oh, I'd say the start of August. Uh, actually, this uh, uh, the 29th of July, it was 2.6 percent, and it's basically 4.6 uh, percent today. Uh, that may require the Federal Reserve to go back and start, um, you know. They, they might have to, if the Federal Reserve wants to bring that down a little bit, uh, they might have to go in and start buying bonds rather than selling them. Uh, right now, the Federal Reserve is uh, selling about $95 billion a month in uh, bonds and, and mortgage-backed securities that accumulated during the uh, COVID time. Remember when the uh, the federal government was stimulated the economy, and the Federal Reserve was also helpfully stimulating the economy by buying the bonds and things of this nature. So right now they've been getting rid of those bonds. So uh, they might, uh, who knows? They, they might have to restrict what they're selling. Uh, the idea being that as the uh, interest rates go up. Uh, that's helpful to the uh, Federal Reserve in the sense that, you know, their concept of getting rid of inflation or conquering inflation is to slow the economy down. And uh, this increase in the uh, bond yields is helpful in their endeavors because uh, as uh, interest rates go up, then the mortgage rates go up, the loan 
uh, new loan, the rates go up, it slows the economy down. Uh, the danger in something like that is that it could also uh, tip the, if it gets out of hand, it could also tip the economy into a recession if those uh, rates get too high. So uh, it, it's uh, not just the Federal Reserve that's borrowing the money, but other large corporations, uh, they've also uh, enjoyed the low rates, but now they've got to start refinancing and they're going to put their uh, their uh, pressures in terms of selling their debt too. So, uh, you know, the, the other things that have happened that, that are happening out there that affect us, uh, uh, the UAW strike uh, continues. Uh, it's going on for uh, four weeks now, and you've got 34,000 uh, strikers that are basically on the picket lines. And uh, the, the uh, we may be coming, well, you could always say they may be coming to an agreement, but the, uh, the automotive companies, the Ford, General Motors, and uh, Stellantis, uh, their offer so far uh, is uh, approximately a wage increases of about 23%. Uh, over a four-year period, that's opposed to the uh, UAW uh, position of I think it's thirty-six percent uh, over the uh, four-year period. Uh, they are also the car companies, auto companies are also saying we'll agree with the uh, cost of living uh, allowances and uh, uh, agree to faster progress in reaching the top wage category. Um, I don't know where they stand on their temporary uh, people. Uh, also, uh, additional paid holidays and more. So that's just a general uh, view of where the company stands right now. And the original UAW uh, demands were 36% for four years versus the uh, 20, 23%. Uh, they wanted to return to the pension system. Uh, they did want that cost of living uh, allowances. Uh, they wanted to get rid of the temporary uh, help and uh, make everybody permanent. Uh, and then uh, so they're still on strike and they're still uh, uh, worried about retirement funds and and uh, whether one sticking point seems to be whether the jobs at the electric uh, vehicle battery plants will be union jobs or not. So I think the automotive companies are have one position and the uh, non-union labor in those plants, but the UAW has another position. So, uh, also you've got uh, Kaiser Permanente, and they they have approximately uh, rep, they represent approximately seventy five thousand employees, and uh, there was a three day walkout. Uh, I don't know how close they are to uh, reaching the, uh, an agreement so far. Uh, and then uh, if you take a look at what's happened this week, uh, this week was another mixed week for stocks and bonds. Uh, the public's attention uh, continues to focus on uh, Hamas's uh, terrorist attack on Israel and Israel's expected retaliation uh, on Hamas in their uh, Gaza Strip homeland. And uh, the uh, from the investor viewpoint right now, oil prices and Western defense contractors have been affected, but uh, uh, investors are concerned uh, about other terrorist organizations joining the fray and basically the war spreading. So in the U.S., of the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the uh, 
Standard and Poor 500 uh, were basically up for the week while the NASDAQ composite was down for the week. In the UK, the FTSE 100 was up for the week while the in Europe, Germany's DAX was down uh, while the stock uh, 600, 600 uh, euro Europe uh, was basically up for the week. And in Asia, uh, Japan's Nikkei 225 was up for the week, while in China, Hong Kong's Hang Seng was up for the week, and the Shanghai Composite uh, appeared to be a kind of a flat for the for the week. On Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed the week at uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, closed at uh, 33,670.29, and that was up uh, 0.60% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed the week at 4,327.78, and that was up uh, 0.45% for the week. And the NASDAQ, uh, closed at 13,407.23, and that was down uh, 0.18% uh, for the week. And uh, in the big picture, uh, the, the, the economy is still strong. The labor market is still strong. The, the consumers are still spending. Uh, the, the, Federal Reserve is in, in kind of a uh, position where inflation is coming down. I mean, we'll talk about the minutes of their last meeting uh, later in the show, uh, where the inflation is coming down, which is what they want. Uh, and the economy has basically slowed down, but just a little bit, you know. I mean, manufacturing has definitely slowed down, but not a great deal. It's not a kind of catastrophic thing. Uh, just enough to get inflation under control there. And uh, the uh, service parts of the economy, uh, the restaurants and the travel and the airlines and the sports events and stuff like that, uh, they're going great guns. But uh, uh, to me, it's just people getting getting it out of their system, so to speak, in terms of uh, what they had to put up with during COVID. And now they're having a little fun, but, uh, you know, that'll wear off. I don't know how many, how many more months it will take, but uh, sooner or later, somebody's going to say, hey, have you have you seen these bills? And uh, that's generally the time that people uh, decide that, well, we've had enough of this. So they start to get realistic again. So, but basically, the economy is in good shape. Uh, uh, people are concerned about what's happening in the, the Middle East, uh, but it doesn't. Uh, it hasn't affected. Hasn't really affected the economy, our economy, or the global economy at all, other than through oil prices. And uh, uh, one thing we we need to do is take a look at uh, our personal uh, financial plan and say, okay, uh, we have a, a plan that takes into account our goals, uh, depending upon where you are in life. Uh, if you're ready to start a family, that's a, that's a huge step uh, in terms of uh, commitments and uh, uh uh, the idea being that uh, there's there's houses, there's there's standards of living, there's uh, children, there's just about you know, uh, it, it's like uh, the window is closing behind you, so to speak. And in terms of hey, this is this is you've made a commitment and you're going to fulfill that commitment. So uh, to me, uh, what are your goals? Identifying your goals. And saying, well, that is, most of these goals do require money. Uh, it requires money to start a household and start a family. And you are committing to uh, 
a standard of living. Uh, as you go through life, it might be a business you want to start or vacation home or there's always the expenses with regard to the children. There'll be there'll be college expenses or uh, uh, the training expenses of some kind uh, uh, to prepare them to go out and get a job. So all of these things uh, require money, and and basically the financial plan allows you to to uh, stabilize that in terms of you know how much money is coming in the door approximately and uh, how much money you're going to save and a lot to uh, this goal or that goal or several goals that you have put it into some people refer to it as put it into different buckets so that uh, uh, you can uh, sit and watch it grow so to speak and see whether uh, uh, some of those goals are very long-term goals, like like retirement. So uh, you have probably more risk-taking, depending upon your age, for that particular goal. Uh, as you get uh, more senior in life, as you get older in life, there's certainly less uh, risk that you really uh, want to take on in terms of that uh, retirement money, but. It's all a matter of saying, okay, I'm going to, money's coming in the door. It's either from my investments or my rental properties or whatever. I'm going to allocate a certain portion of savings. And that portion that is allocated to savings to meet those future goals, uh, that's generally a little bit higher than most people realize. You know, most people look at their 401k and say that, uh, well, they're going to match me uh, 4 or 5% uh, if I contribute to the 401k. But basically, uh, in order to really feel secure in what you're doing, uh, those numbers there, those savings numbers, should probably be around 15%. Uh, So that's a much bigger number than most people realize. So... But there's a lot that has to be covered in that in terms of uh, uh, sometimes there's down payments for the house, sometimes it's uh, starting a new business, sometimes it's uh, vacation homes, all sorts of things. Sometimes it's braces for the kids, uh, education for the kids. Uh, so all these things have to be part of your financial plan. Uh, these really encompass your dreams. Uh, what you want to accomplish, and uh, they give you a roadmap uh, that says, hey, if you stick to this roadmap, you'll get where you're expected to go, and you uh, uh, take care of your investments and watch them grow. So uh, to me, having the financial plan is very, very important, and it's a good uh, roadmap uh, for the future. So that's basically what we do for our clients here. So, and uh, if you uh, want to give us a call, talk, talk about uh, your experiences and what you see in the market and what you see uh, elsewhere, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. Now, stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese. 
<laughs> Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim, Ma- Jim McAleese. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to the phone. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. How are you today? Oh, I thought I'll call you before Thanksgiving comes in the seasonal hiring em- em- employment. I'm sitting here with the one eye closed with a cataract surgery, so I thought I'll use whatever left between my ears. So what, I I think the employment picture may be a little bit easier this time because the employers have a better hand between now and Thanksgiving seasonal employment, I'm guessing. And also, you know, there won't be that much of a wage increase. Walmart and Target, all of them will. And, of course, the e-commerce is there. But I don't know whether mm-hmm. the Federal Reserve is going to have another quarter percentage or something between now and Christmas as a Christmas gift. I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think I the think Federal either. Reserve. Yeah, I think the Federal Reserve has gotten up to five and a half percent. That's the top number for their uh, federal funds rate. Uh, I think they're a little leery about uh, pushing it higher, and and uh, particularly now with the uh, uh, the yield curve is moving up for the yeah. intermediate and. Uh, the uh, long maturity bond. Yeah. So, uh, they, they feel that does the job for them. Go ahead, one, I'm sorry. One other, one other thing I'm bothered is I've been watching over the years since C-SPAN came on 79 and came on the air. I've been watching the daily, all the hearings, the Senate and housing and everything else, the banking. What bothers me is how can you allow to have a hedge fund with no purpose emission statement, then give me the money, I'll trust you. just give me the money and have trust in me. And then they end up all kinds of things. I'm not talking about uh, cryptocurrency. I'm talking about the good old Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) 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 How can you have a due diligence? The, The hedge funds are buying all the houses in Cleveland area, Ohio, other states, and cover cash. Average middle class is wiped out. You can't go p- buying a house. The hedge fund people, they're getting, you know, Airbnb conversion. And I'm not, I can't change the world, but I can, I'm not looking for good old days. I don't want a polio and FDR either. It's sad when we can't even stay in touch with the capitalism. Right. I'm, only 80, I'm only 88. There's not much time left, but I'm not in a wheelchair in a nursing home. Thank God. And you keep yes, up the good indeed. work. You keep up the good work, just like your late lady, your partner used to do. Yes, yes, yes. So, yes. With regard to uh, the private, John, with regard to the private equity companies, the private equity companies are, are basically, uh, they are operating with uh, qualified investors. In other words, if you're I forget the exact numbers, but if you make more than a certain amount, you're supposed to be an intelligent investor. So the SEC does not uh, does not protect you as much as it does for the retail investor. The white white collar crime affects more people indirectly, and they don't get taken care of. Everything is put off for a year or two. By the time. The food is you have to reheat and reheat and warm, and that's it. And they pay some money. It's the cost of doing business. That's what mm-hmm. they're doing. They're the finance, do it as, treat it as a cost of doing business. I used to teach cost analysis in corporate Fortune 500 companies years ago. It's sad. But you know what? I'm the biggest optimist next to you. Thank you. Have a nice holiday. <laughs> bye bye. All right, John. You too. All right. In, in the. Yeah, there's just some good points today with regard to uh, what's happening in the private equity markets and stuff like that. Uh, uh, right now, what you're seeing, what you saw before was that money was cheap and uh, the private equity groups were going like gangbusters. But now that uh, money has become more expensive, then uh, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, they can't put their um, roll-ups and uh, uh, businesses that they're 
by patching together, they can't put them on the market. So, um, you know, it's kind of an opaque market in terms of you put your money in and uh, you're not supposed to take it out for, depending upon what your contract says, for five or ten years. So uh, it gives them uh, a lot of time to work with the uh, with the money without uh, worrying about the ups and downs of the market. Sometimes it's useful, sometimes it's not. So uh, let's talk about, you know, one of the big things that came out this week, and that was the uh, consumer price index. And basically all of us watch the prices go up and down. Uh, The ones we notice the first are the food and gasoline because we buy them on a regular basis. But... uh, you know, the Department of Labor keeps track of the rising prices. They have a, they have a uh, <clears throat> call it a basket of uh, goods that uh, the consumer buys, uh, the normal U.S. consumer. And, and basically, I think uh, uh, food is a certain portion of that. Let's say it's, I think it's 12%. Energy is about 8%. Um their shelter is about 35%, and they keep track of these things in terms of the ups and downs. And they put out monthly, they put out their consumer price index, and uh, they released the consumer price index uh, report for September. And the results show that inflation going up a little as uh, the economy has uh, moved, has strengthened. And but it still shows that inflation is still not under control. Uh, headline inflation for the past 12 months was reported to be 3.7 percent for a period ending in September. Uh, this past September, uh, the headline uh, uh, CPI. They, they, by headline, I'm talking about a headline and core. Headline is all of the. Uh, the costs in that basket, and uh, if I eliminate food and fuel, then uh, I, I get down to the core. Uh, and I, and the justification for eliminating food and fuel is that there are international commodities, and and uh, the Federal Reserve, no matter what it does, is not going to be able to control the price of food or fuel. So. Uh, the you know if we take a look at what's happened you know from the the start of this uh, inflation that got our attention in 2021 uh, we first started noticing inflation in March of 2021 when it uh, got to 3% and at that point oh look at look at what's happening in inflation and the Federal Reserve indicated that it was transitory and don't worry about it. But uh, from there, in March, it was 3%. In Labor Day, it was 5%. By Christmas of 2021, it was 7%. So it, it climbed all through 2021, and uh, it climbed through 2022 and reached its peak in June when it was 9.1% over the last uh, 12 months that ended in June of 2022. So um, what we've seen is uh, uh, headline inflation uh, rose four-tenths of a percent in September from August, and uh, uh, that increased uh, six-tenths of a percent in August from July. but in July to June, it only increased two-tenths of a percent. And the Department of Labor also reported that the core CPI, or the index for all items except for food and energy, that rose three-tenths of a percent in September from August after increasing three-tenths of a percent in August from July. So over the last 12 months, uh, the core CPI number rose 4.1%. And basically, if you take a look at the shelter, is one of the biggest items there. 
and it constitutes about uh, uh, shelter increased uh, uh, six tenths of a percent in September from August, and increased seven point two percent over the twelve month period ending in August. So, uh, what we see is the inflation numbers uh, comparing the inflation numbers for. Uh, for the uh, September versus August, uh, the headline uh, consumer price index for August was uh, six tenths of a percent for the month of August, and three point seven percent for uh, the twelve months ending in August. If we move forward to September, it uh, went down from six tenths of a percent to four tenths of a percent. For the month of September alone, and the uh, the twelve month uh, number uh, stayed constant at three point seven percent. If we take out food and fuel, we get the core CPI. In both cases, the core CPI for the month of September and August was three tenths of one percent, and uh, in September the a uh, 12-month number uh, for the core CPI was 4.1, and that had been reduced from 4.3% in August. So some parts went up, some parts went down. And what we're seeing, and if we take a look at the numbers in that report, is that uh, the service numbers, service CPI numbers are still up there as opposed to the uh, goods numbers, uh, that the, uh, the services are rising faster than the goods uh, inflation. So that's the place to look, and that's basically where, you know, people are spending their money on dining out and travel and things of this nature. So um, <clears throat> one thing we can do is... I think there's a, let's see, if we do take a look and we say, uh, in 2021, uh, inflation, the, or the uh, headline inflation that includes the whole package, includes food and fuel, uh, the headline inflation for 2021 was uh, November, December, December. Uh, basically, it was 7.0%. So from January through December of 2021, inflation went up 7%. If we take a look now at uh, what happened in in uh, 2022, uh, it went up 6.5%. If we look at what has happened today, it's uh, uh, from the first of the year to now, it's 3.7%. Uh, basically, if we take a look and say, uh, if we calculate the, the value of uh, the increase in that price of goods and services that the Federal Reserve keeps track of, it's increased probably about 18% uh, since January of 2021 to today. Uh, that's a pretty big number, and it's a number bigger than I'm sure anybody's raises have been. So basically... Uh, the prices of those goods and services in that basket uh, have gone up uh, approximately 17, 18% over this two and a half year period. So uh, most of the raises, most of the raises have been in the order of, let's say, 4% uh, per year. So uh, it gives you an idea of. Uh, We've got to get this inflation under control and get it to the point where uh, if inflation is going up at 3%, then raises should be going up at the same thing. Uh, another thing 
<clears throat> if we take a look at the uh, uh, minutes of the last Federal Open Market Committee meeting, uh, the uh, minutes came out this week, I think it was on Wednesday, and at the meeting, the Federal Open Market Committee meeting for the Federal Reserve was held on September 19th and 20th, and the committee decided at that time to maintain the target range for the federal funds rate at five and a quarter, five and a half percent. And according to the minutes of the meeting that were released Wednesday, the majority of the participants judged that one more increase in the target federal funds rate at a future meeting would likely be appropriate, uh, while some judged that likely that no further increases would be warranted. So there was a disagreement, but it sounds like sounds like the uh, majority of the participants wanted uh, or figuring in uh, one more rate increase in 2023. At the, the meeting, the participants made uh, economic projections or guesses and uh, uh, regarding several parameters, some of the parameters, one of the parameters is inflation. What's inflation going to be in the fourth quarter for this year, next year, and the year after, and then uh, long term? And they'll make a guess in terms of what inflation is going to be, and they'll also make a guess as to <clears throat> what the federal funds rates are going to be. That's called the dot plots. Uh, and uh, uh, they just put it up and, and say, okay, here's, here's what they look like, and you can eyeball uh, the median and uh, connect the dots, so to speak, and get an idea of 18 people, how 18 people are thinking in terms of what's going to happen in the future. So the economic projections released last month show that most officials had penciled in one more rate rise this year, but they made those predictions uh, projections before this uh, jump in the long-term yields that we talked about earlier in the show. So the the uh, uh, the, the bonds in the uh, five, ten, fifteen, twenty-year range or thirty-year range, uh, those yields are going up. And uh, basically, they're going to push up uh, mortgages, auto loans, and and business uh, debts. So the minutes show officials began deliberating how long they would need to hold rates at or near their current levels before cutting them. And one group of officials said that the focus of the rate decisions and public communications uh, should shift from how high to raise the policy rate to how long to hold the policy rate at these restrictive levels. Uh, that's according to the minutes. The minutes said all officials agreed that interest rates would need to restrict the economy for some time until the committee is confident that inflation is moving down uh, sustainably to its 2% goal. A few officials indicated they were paying close attention to the inflation adjusted or real uh, federal funds rates, uh, which would rise as the inflation falls if the nominal rates are held steady. So the minutes suggested that officials thought the risks around raising rates too much or too little were more balanced than they've been since the federal Reserve began lifting borrowing costs last year. And uh, while officials expected inflation to continue to slow over the coming months, many of them believed that uh, if they were wrong, it would be because inflation is higher than anticipated, which would call for a tighter policy. At the same time, uh, uh, officials also saw elevated risks of weaker and anticipated economic growth, even though growth has uh, defied economists' expectation that it would sag this year. So uh, something that wasn't examined at the Federal Open Market Committee meeting last in September was the uh, 
recent run-up in the intermediate and long-term yields. For example, before the uh, September uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting, the 10-year Treasury was uh, approximately 4.3%. But on Friday, before the uh, the, uh, uh, Hamas uh, attack on Israel, the 10-year Treasury was basically 4.78%. So the longer-term Treasuries have been moving up as investors recognize how much the federal government will have to borrow to cover their annual deficits of approximately uh, uh, $2 trillion per year. You know, the, the, the $2 trillion deficit basically uh, comes about because the federal government is spending uh, uh, approximately $6.7 trillion a year, and the federal government's revenues in terms of personal corporate income tax, uh, payroll taxes, tariffs, excise taxes only amounts to $4.7 trillion. So the difference between the 6.6 and the 4 that we're spending and the $4.7 trillion that we're bringing in is $2 trillion that we're borrowing by selling uh, the bonds. So, uh, the Federal Reserve Governor uh, Christopher Waller noted in a conference on Wednesday that financial markets are tightening up and they're going to do some of the work for them and uh, that the Federal Reserve is in a position where they can kind of sit back and watch what happens. Uh, other top uh, officials have similarly indicated in recent days that if the recent increase in borrowing costs is sustained, these increases could substitute for additional rises in the federal funds rate. Uh, the comments suggest federal officials are on course to hold the uh, rate steady for their October 31st, November 1st meeting, and they could wait to see how economic and financial developments unfold next month before this, before deciding uh, whether to raise the uh, uh, the rates in uh, uh, December. Uh, one of the things that uh, we also take a look at to give us some feel for how people feel is the uh, survey of consumer sentiment uh, from the University of Michigan. And we look at that to get a, a feel for uh, whether people are interested in buying large items, uh, cars and houses and stuff like that. And what we see for October from the University of Michigan is that the consumer sentiment dropped uh, dramatically. It went down from 68.1% uh, in in, uh, in September to 63 in, in uh, October. So according to their director, uh, the idea here is that uh, uh, consumer sentiment fell back about 7% in October following two consecutive months of little change in the assessment of personal finance declined about 15%, primarily a sustained increase in concerns about inflation and one-year expected business conditions under about 19%. So, so people are basically uh, um, becoming less uh, enthusiastic about the, the economy and the prices. So uh, uh, here we are moving into the Christmas season and uh, uh, people's expectations are moving down. So how that's going to affect the holiday season, I really don't have, have have the foggiest uh, ideas. This is Jim McAlee. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. One of the important things in life is our ability to think through a problem and arrive at a happy conclusion. Here's an example. In a small town hundreds of years ago, a small business owner owed a large sum of 
of money to a loan shark. The loan shark just so happened to fancy the business owner's daughter. He decided to offer the businessman a deal that would completely wipe out the debt he owed him. However, the catch was that he would only wipe out the debt if he could marry the businessman's daughter. Needless to say, this proposal was met with a look of disgust. The loan shark said that he would place two pebbles in a bag, one white and one black. The daughter would then have to reach into the bag and pick out a pebble. If it was black, the debt would be wiped out, but the loan shark would then marry her. If it was white, the debt would also be wiped out, but the daughter wouldn't have to marry uh, the loan shark. Standing on a pebble-strewn path in the businessman's garden, the loan shark bent over and picked up two pebbles. While he was picking them up, the daughter noticed that he picked up two black pebbles and placed them both into the bag. He then asked the daughter to reach in the bag and pick one. The daughter naturally had three choices as to what to do. Refuse to pick a pebble from the bag, take both pebbles out of the bag and expose the loan shark for cheating, or pick a pebble from the bag fully knowing it was black and sacrifice herself for her father's freedom. She drew out a pebble from the bag, but before looking at it, accidentally dropped it in the midst of the other pebbles on the ground. She said to the loan shark, oh, how clumsy of me. Never mind, if you look into the bag for the one that's left, you'll be able to tell which pebble I picked. The pebble left in the bag was obviously black, and seeing the uh, loan shark did not want to be exposed, he had to play along as if the pebble that his daughter picked was white. So, he extinguished her father's debt, and remember, it's always possible to overcome a tough situation through out-of-the-box thinking. So, until we meet again next week for more of Get the Show, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc., The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.